What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Sears Angler Podcast, powered by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Egbert, and joined with me is the captain, Mr. Andy Fult. Are you What's going on, dude? What's that? I said, are you sick of me yet? Sick of you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, I only just, I only sped all the way home to drop you off to get rid of you. I figured as much. <laughs> turn, turn your mic up a, a like a, a notch. Don't you exactly. love that when StreamYard st- uh, starts that it just changes everything? Yeah, it's uh, great. No, keep was, going, keep going a little bit more. Going. How's that? Good. That's much better. All right, yeah. Can you hear you them, know, folks? Like, tuning in, adjusting live. everything oh, since we uh, got home from Charlotte, and I was telling Bailey offline here. I was literally running around trying to get everything together, and if you could see behind me here. There's boxes everywhere. That's because we are actually moving out of this house on Friday. So um, it's it's a hectic march for me and the full family. It's um, it's, it's fun. How are you doing? <laughs> Trying to like, you know, similar to what you said, getting back and things have been hectic. And we were planning for Tuesday Night Live tonight. And I didn't think that there was any lick of chance that we'd be getting on the champ tonight. Which we're, we're wait the champ is actually on his show. Which if you guys have not listened or watched, let's talk fish. That is a freaking great show, and it's the one that literally thrift is a co- uh, thrift is a host on with Matt Airy. Highly recommend. And they're kind of going late here tonight, uh, but he's going to jump in when he can. Uh, we're going to be breaking down, you know, his win. Obviously, three hundred thousand uh, dollars. It's pretty pretty badass. But uh, dude, I'm back home, and I am trying to catch up on work stuff and get my life back in order just to completely 180 again and go back down to Tennessee this weekend for the classic next week. Uh, so it's, you know, you talk about getting all the gear, like shoot, we brought all the gear down with us. We recorded a bunch of shows at Red Crest last week, and then it's back home trying to get that gear out of the box and everything and get set up so that we can record this tonight. Uh, and obviously we have more shows we're doing this week to prep for the classic next week. So it's been madness, absolute madness. Uh, but regardless, I am excited to sit down, catch up with everybody on here, uh, catch up with you and, and talk about how our show went for us. It was a great show for the Sears Angler crew, uh, but then also when the champ's ready, get the champ on here and uh, talk to Mr. Brian Thrift about how he won $300,000 from a five-day fishing tournament. It's different it from all marathon. the other formats. It wasn't yeah. a sprint. It was a marathon. Like. But I mean, even like a classic's not a sprint. Like no. three days is still a long time. But three days is, I feel like, is easier on the mind and body than five because there's an entirely different um, approach to conserving fish over a five-day period as opposed to a three-day period. And what is their what was the practice like for Red Crest? Right, like do they practice three? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then on the water Wednesday, they practice Saturday, Sunday, Monday, media Tuesday, Derby Wednesday. I'm pretty sure it was, yeah, they had three days of practice. Yeah. But regardless, it was a lot of fishing, especially for the top 10. But I mean, but yeah, I mean, anytime you have five days versus three days, it's obviously much more, uh, and you know, intense. Uh, you have to go fish new water at some point throughout that week uh you're pretty much forced to especially when these fish were 
the guys are catching them spawning at first, you know, and then people are doing a whole different lick of patterns. But, you know, like we talked about in the shows last week, Thrift probably has 300 odd something thousand waypoints on his graphs that one of those is probably going to come in handy. And that's exactly what happened. And that's exactly what he went on was a waypoint that he had. He said it was up the river that uh, we saw the last two days, him catch at least a solid 13 pounds off of. Uh, didn't catch a big one the last day, but the day prior caught a freaking giant spot off a dock. He just went and get 13 pounds and went swinging on docks for the rest of the day, which proved very valuable for him. Uh, and that's how he caught 17, 12, the biggest bag of the week. Uh, was doing exactly that. <laughs> I'm really watching my cat try to lock itself in the office. But uh, Andy, talk to people a little bit about your for, uh, first red crest. I actually have Brian call me right here. I'll t- I'll tune back in here in a second. Yeah. Oh, uh, red crest was really cool. As everyone knows, I am absolutely terrified of flying. The flight was easy. We got a direct flight from Buffalo to Charlotte, and then home from Charlotte to Buffalo. But um, red crest from a media standpoint was really, really good. Um, Joe and charity over at major league fishing did a, a phenomenal job catering to not just us here at serious angler, but all the media, they took care of us. They allowed us access. They, you could tell that they're really trying to make it a top notch thing. And how many people actually showed up to the expo was absolutely incredible. I don't know the exact attendance number of people who showed up, but there was Friday morning till I want to say like two o'clock. It was really busy. So the expo went from 11 to seven Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And on Friday, it was pretty busy from like 11 to three. And then it really slowed down 11 to two, 11 to three. And then it really slowed down Saturday and Sunday. It was and then the weight, like the final weigh-in with the anglers on Sunday was absolutely insanity. There had to have been like eight, maybe, I don't, I don't know how many people were actually there, but the main room that Red Crest, the Red Crest Expo was in was the stage. I think it was packed almost all the way back to the Bass Pro booth from what I could see from where I was standing on the media ropes. But they did a phenomenal job. The one thing I could have asked for, was more fishing brands to be there from like a lure rod and reel standpoint. There was only a couple. It seemed like there was some like miscellaneous stuff there too, like in renewal by Anderson window company, which like who is stopping to buy windows at a fishing tournament. Expo. Yeah. It's all expos though. You get those non-endemics that are like nobody knows about. That's just local. But other than that, I think they did a pretty good job. And yeah. What can you say, Billy? No, I said, yeah, I think they're, I think they're doing great. But Andy, your, your Nike's making kind of weird noises. See if you can just connect it, reconnect it. Interesting. All good. But, uh, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, uh, especially compared to last year, being at the first uh, Red Crest, there was not a lot of people there last year. But compared, like this year, it was popping. Like it was, it was a really good event in regards to numbers and, and what Andy was saying. Like they're, they call it the post game show. It's like their kind of time to get guys that are, are weighing in uh you know quote unquote weighing in doing the awards deal there was probably a thousand people there like it was a very hefty crowd uh much much better compared to last year um but it was it was a really great event um they had three buildings the two buildings were kind of like on the hotter side if anybody remembers the ray roberts classic uh it was comparable to that just not as hot 
Um, but you were definitely sweating when you went in the other two rooms. Uh, they had some good brands there, but like the main room was awesome. It was, uh, it was, it was really great layout. They did a lot for the media there. Um, they put us up for the week, which we highly appreciate. That was super cool. Big shout out to Joe and charity who did a kick-ass job, uh, at Redcrest this past week. Um, and speaking of somebody else that did a kick-ass job, we had our guy that won 300 grand, Brian Thrift, the guy that won it. He is actually on his way home from his show. Uh, he's going to hop in here for probably about 20 to 30 minutes here in about 10, 15 minutes. So we're going to go through some of the different things that we have to talk about. Just know that he's coming up here on the show. We're, we're going to get him. He's uh, obviously for anyone that wins a major event like this, their schedule is all over the dang place. Uh, we left it up completely to Brian if he wanted to come on. We hadn't, we didn't, we'd, we didn't even originally plan to get him on here. Um, that's a big shout out to Charity for helping us get him on uh, for uh, tonight. Uh, but big shout out to Brian for making it happen. He's like, let's get after it. Let's still do it. Um, but I'm excited to, I purposely didn't listen to their Let's Talk Fish episode tonight because I wanted my questions and my uh, intrigue to be more fresh because I'm sure he was going to break down absolutely everything in his show. Uh, but I, I recommend anybody that's tuning into this one or if you're listening to this, uh, show when we drop the mp3 uh, to go back and listen to the let's talk fish episode which is again with him and ari uh, because that's one to do two very close friends that are breaking down their derb but also him as a host he's probably gonna go to way more detail than uh, what he'll probably bring out with us tonight so uh, highly highly recommend that but dude i think red crest was uh was a lot of fun and i'm looking forward to it being in uh, birmingham next year yeah, they're what on Lay Lake next year, right? Birmingham. Yep, Lay Lake, and then twenty twenty five is Gunnersville, but it'll be out. The expo will be in Huntsville. Yeah, which is like an up and coming town. I hear in Alabama, so that'll be really exciting to get down there the next two years. But I do have a question for you, Bailey. Did you think the big bait, soft and hard, would play as much as it did? I mean, it's that term. time of year, right? And like it's that time of year we're pulling out those bigger baits, especially in the springtime where like you'll even catch two pounders. Like I think you saw a lot of guys. I won't say no that I didn't expect it. Um, but I, I, I kind of just assume, you know, spotted bass fishery, you know, you see that with Murray, you see that, you know, with Lanier, you see those glide baits and you see kind of your bigger shad imitate uh, imitators play for that pure fact of like, that's what get those big spots fired up. And that's how you can go, especially in the backs of these creeks for these largemouth. Those are things that play. And it's just kind of that springtime bite, especially with, you saw the emergence of the new Berkeley coal shad, like that, that bait made a big uh, presence uh, and the, the anglers that did really well. And I, you know, inside of that was the, the mag draft, the mega bass mag draft. That was another one that those baits just do well this time of year. Because one, they're just big presentations. They get the fish to show themselves. And two, they just straight up trigger big bites. I mean, the six-inch mag draft, I'd argue I have so much confidence in in regards to just getting a bite. It's almost kind of like if I'm if I'm fishing cover or like docks or how they were doing it, I almost have more confidence in a mag draft getting bit than a wacky rig. Like, th- I think that's just the time of year. It makes sense, especially because a lot of these guys, I think, threw an eco or a wacky to get their five fish and then immediately went to that or swim bait, that glide bait to therefore try to get bigger bites because it seemed like everyone was able to catch everyone that made the final day was able to catch 12, 13 pounds. But the people that had 14 to 16 were going after they were, they realized, Hey, if I have 11, 
I can either work hard and try to call up to 12, or I can go throw this bigger bait around and call up to 13, 14. And do you, and to Brad's point down here, do you think people pulled out the big baits were more willing to pull out the big baits because they switched to the five fish format as opposed to catching away as many fish as they could? Cause you know, the minimum weight was one pound, seven ounces. So if they were still in the old format, you probably would have just saw 40 guys every day out fishing offshore, catching 1.7 pound spots and just wearing them down. But remember the guy that one of the guys that was out doing that all day was Jacob Wheeler. Don't think he hit the bank much of any, uh, and yeah. he wasn't catching a lot of fish, but Jacob Wheeler is also probably one of the best in the world at graphing lakes and figuring out where big fish live. I'm not, I'm not discrediting anyone else on a tour but time after time after time he proves that he can get offshore any time of year and catch big ones i feel like jacob wheeler is almost an exception to the rule yeah but he but, was catching his lick of 170 you saw his his last day bag he still had a bunch yeah. of one pounders in there I, I don't no one was catching a lot of numbers the only person that was catching a lot of numbers even later in the week well later in the week no one was you heard alton say that on stage but like beginning of the week alton was said he was catching 40 fish a day like I think that's a I think you it really also depends on how these guys uh, present practice because like I mean dude I, it's a dock lake like Norman is a dock lake I think the guys that go fish docks it's like you can go throw the wacky rig catch the smallest one out of the school under a dock or a group of fish under a dock or you could throw that mag draft catch the bigger one out and you're still making the same amount of cast you're still sit, hitting as many docks but you're triggering bigger bites. So you're making bigger numbers when it comes to a score tracker for an all fish counts. Like I, I, I do think though, like you saw, especially after day three, no one was catching a lot of fish anymore, especially with that big uh, pressure drop in regards to temperature and everything changing. Um, I just think that offshore stuff, those fish were like, I think they made a heavy push shallow. The majority of those fish, there's a lot that are still offshore. Like we saw Wheeler catch. But there was, like, was catching some fish offshore too early on in the day with the wacky rig, especially I think on Saturday, right? Saturday, but he was like he was 50 close. yards off the bank. Yeah. He was literally right the ramp. Um, like I think those were fish that got. I don't. I mean, those were fish that were like I think pushed up, but got caught. You know, cut trying to come back and were just stuck in the middle of moving up and just kind of waiting. Hey. Well, the nature, we're trying to do our thing. Can you kind of get your stuff in gear here? Yeah, it's like that perfect you know I mean? break where they can slide back and feel comfortable. Yeah. I, I do I do think even if it was an all-fish counts like it was last year, like with a, a weight minimum, I still think guys would be throwing the same baits. Maybe not the big glide bait stuff like Ed Evers was doing where he was catching good ones on that, but not many. But I still think like a mag draft is still a numbers bait for sure. Yeah. A six-inch swim bait is still catches – pound and a half first to six pounders you know what i mean yeah. that's i'm pretty positive that new coal shad is what caught evers his six pounder on day one it 100 was i'm like 100 sure because i think he held like pulled it out and held it up and said here's a new berkeley coal shad like just falling out of his face it never fails when you tell anglers to not talk about a bait they're gonna talk about a bait yeah let, let's talk about another infamous time we'll backtrack what to last year's classic with the. Uh, Slobberknocker. Yeah. Hey, John Cox, Cox, don't say Slobberknocker on live. Two hours in, not even two hours into live. It was like four minutes into the tournament. He's like, <laughs> got this big and on a brand new Berkeley Slobberknocker. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I want to talk about, too. Okay. Ooh, I don't yeah. mean to spend too much great time question. on this. It's a uh, great question. For everyone tuning in, we got a bunch of people joining in. Appreciate you guys doing so. 
Um, we do have Brian coming in. He went a little late on his show, but he just called me earlier. He's going to be here in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, he's going to pop in. As soon as he gets home, we're going to have him on for 20, 30 minutes. So stick around. He is coming. Um, so before we get him on here, there's a couple things. And we'll talk after Brian. we have Brian on as well because we have some more things to go through. A lot happening with the show in the next couple weeks. But Joey Walter says, do you think the call shad would be better than the mag draft? So for people that either didn't see, they don't know what we're talking about, Berkeley came out with a new bait while they weren't originally planning to. It's supposed to be released a couple of months from now. Um, a new uh, bait that mimics the mag draft. And a lot of people go and saying, hey, it's a knockoff. It's a knockoff. It's a knockoff. It is a similar bait. It is a paddle tail swim bait. Yes. But there are big differences and in my mind. I mean, okay, this is this is from somebody that has talked directly to the people that designed the bait, the marketing people, the team itself. Uh, but I have not thrown the bait yet. I'm going off of what the pros have said, especially this past week using it. Um, but I've seen it. Andy and I have looked at it. We had it in our hands this past week. And this is our observation. of it on the Lure Lab podcast page. So you can yeah. go look at it there. This is, so this is like our observations from that okay we're not going off of what we've we haven't used it yet but the mag draft has a couple downfalls i, I love a mag draft don't get, we've talked about it on this show it's great for catching numbers all the way to big ones it does not last a lot of fish though uh you it's hard to skip it under docks certain times without the trouble coming out it skips like a freaking dream it is hard to skip without the treble hook coming unharnessed because of that magnet system where after two or three fish that magnet usually falls out. The things get all janky because uh, I believe it's a glue that attaches that uh, magnet to the bait itself. Whereas the cull shad has a clip. It's a clip that actually inserts into the bait, which is very, very difficult to come out. Uh, and that essentially what it does is that shank of the treble hook snaps into the clip. So it basically takes a decent amount of force, AKA a fish's mouth to unclamp that. Uh, whereas then you can skip it under every single dock uh, or under uh, underhanging trees, and that thing's not going to come off. Secondly, you have the honeycomb pattern tail. creates a bubble trail, uh, but beyond that, it creates a much, much more actionable tail at, at, slow, at that slower speed. But also, with that, that if you look at it, when you slow roll mag draft, the mag draft is like this, great tail action. The cull shed is like this. Like it is much, much wider. It goes much farther up the body for when that tail moves. And then, yeah. And then there are two designated nail weight sections in the bait that you can literally set a put nail weights in, weight it. What this does allows, allows you to do is you can burn the daylights out of the swim bait. It does not blow out where the mag draft, you have one speed. Otherwise it rolls on its side and it does freaky things that you don't want it to do. Mm-hmm. Not saying it won't get bit doing that, but it's not the most favorable. It doesn't have much. It doesn't have as much roll. Um, whereas the cull shad, you can slow roll it or you can burn it. And I think that's where it makes it better is that you can actually have more speeds than just one deal with the mag draft. Did I miss anything there, Andy? Uh, did you? And I apologize if I missed this. Did you talk about the screw lock hook keeper as opposed to the magnet? The screw lock hook keeper. No. Yeah, so like when the treble hook goes into the body with the magnet on the mag draft, the call shad actually has a screw lock hook keeper, like a wire harness that comes down that your hook will clip into 
to yeah. keep it taut to the body instead of just falling off all the time. That was the hook clip. Yeah. Uh, hook clip. Got it. I called the hook keeper. So my bad. <laughs> You're good. Same deal. Same deal. But yeah, I think that makes a huge difference compared to the mag draft. Now, look, I'm probably still going to throw the mag draft, but I'm also going to throw the Kelshad because of that, especially if I'm trying to put it under baits or under overhanging trees and such, that's going to be the perfect bait to do so. Cause it's not, I, I get frustrated a lot throwing the mag draft because that hook comes out. You miss fish sometimes when that hook's not where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a whole bunch of questions coming in through here now. Um, Joey, I can neither confirm or deny if there's going to be a freestyle version because I don't know uh, that we're literally trying to, for those who don't know, I I'm on the PR team for pure fishing. So literally this is all coming at me first glance of like, we weren't supposed to release this right now. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll, we'll keep you guys updated as it, as it goes through uh, and things progress. But uh, we are not here to talk about a bait. Obviously, bait was like a big craze throughout the tournament. But we're here to talk about Redcrest. And Mr. Brian Thrift will be joining us here shortly. Um, but coming up, there's a couple cool things to call out tonight. Uh, one is on Thursday. There's some big news coming from our friends over at X2 Power, which we will release Formally, that information on Friday. Mr. Sean Budiak is going to come join us to help us uh, talk about that this week. Because uh, Friday's episode is going to be Tyler Rivette. Um, Tyler Rivette's going to come join us. We meant to get him on earlier. Uh, be, of course, like another, you know, with winners, it gets hectic. So we nailed down a time. We're going to have Tyler Rivette on Friday. And then next Tuesday, um, the plan is to have Jonathan Kelly's episode go live. Uh, so we'll have uh, Jonathan Kelly for that day. Actually, that might be Thursday. So we'll, either way, we'll get it figured out, uh, and we'll confirm that whether which day we're having Jonathan Kelly on. But uh, next week's going to be hectic because Deacon and I are going down to the Classic, which is going to be a heck of a lot of fun being on the Tennessee River. But if you looked at the forecast, it might be interesting. It's going to be cold. I'm not. I'm not too fond of the uh, when I pulled up the old Santee weather forecast, Andy, for the next coming weeks. What what's it looking like down in Knoxville? Well, I have to look. I know what it's going to be here, but I don't know what it's going to be there. So well, Knoxville is going to be cold. Um, I mean, I haven't. It obviously it's next week, so a lot of things can change. But leading up into at least early this weekend and into next week, it's going to be cold. Uh, there might be a little bit of warming trend. Um, obviously that's TBD, but for me, anyways, in a couple of weeks, in a couple of weeks, I have a tournament down in Santee Cooper, and all I saw was. <laughs> When I pulled up weather for Santee was freeze warning. And I was like, oh, good. I got the Charlotte freeze warning today. And I was laughing. I was like, goodness that we are out of there. Because down there, I feel like it's just an entirely different type of cold. Like Sunday when we walked out of the hotel and it was like 36 degrees and drizzly and raining. I was like, man, this is bone chilling. And then we got home and I was like, oh, it's not bad. Like, it's just kind of funny how it works. But yeah. Knoxville, Tennessee, you're leaving what, Saturday, I'm assuming, or Sunday? I have yet to determine that, but this weekend, yeah. So if you get there Sunday, the high is 43 degrees. But there is a good warming trend. I'm going to call it out now. I think smallmouth is going to be the play for that tournament. Somebody who wins is going to catch at least 10 to 13 smallmouth, I think. So I am going to disagree off of insider trading being that I was on the phone last week with Gussie and he says he doesn't think it's going to play. Mm. <laughs> That's my only reasoning. I have no other, well, no other call to action. Because 
it was warm, but now it's cold. And I don't think it got all that warm in Tennessee to make those fish really get up and start doing their thing. So it'll be, Oh, they're shallow. I don't know if you've seen, if you look up Fort Loudon or anything on Instagram, location wise, people are catching them shallow big hmm. time. Interesting. I want to see some videos on it because sometimes people will box fish and then go up shallow to make it look like they're catching them shallow. I, I don't I've, I think that the times, if you see where Alabama's at right now and you see where the weather has been for Tennessee and what's yeah. happening with, if there's a trend, I think regardless, because it's a river system, they're yeah. going to get caught shallow. It's going to be interesting. And I'm pretty positive since Gussie won down there doing that, that, area has been absolutely pummeled yeah i remember the first time they went there there was a section you gotta remember i think it was way up teleco there is a section that plays that iconelli found that had really big smallmouth on it it was like a shell bed that went from like two to ten foot that he was catching with cranking not in his little culvert that he found but way up river and he tried to make it work three days i think he caught like two or three of them a day that were big fish but isn't there like a minimum size like 18 inch or 19 inch yes, for... 18 yeah so 18 inches that which... also has to play with smallmouth which can be a huge gamble can be uh and i think one thing to remember too and i hate to keep talking classic here because our all of our next coming shows including next monday's fantasy fishing show is going to be classic um but remember they've they've bass has only ever been to tennessee river twice beforehand uh all within the same time of year but this is the latest they've been there this hmm. is the latest and with the last two times i think with this one you know we saw ot when it shallow had a yeah. big bag of green ones um we're gonna we're gonna it's gonna be interesting regardless of how that shakes out but we should be uh, getting back on track here in regards to the Red Crest talk because Mr. Brian Thrift will be joining us here in a second. We're going to start breaking down some things with Brian on his win when he gets here. So if you guys have questions you want us to ask Brian, we're going to make some time for that before we get them off the show here. We're only going to have him for about 20, 30 minutes, but we will get another sh- uh, show scheduled with him down the road here to get a full hour with him and really start discussing some things. But if you guys have questions, start putting them down. Uh, in the comments here for when he does pull in uh, and he's able to uh, hop on the stream that uh, we can fire some of those off. Um, One thing we'll bring up with Brian too, is there's some other new stuff coming out with blackfish gear. Some really exciting things that uh, I am looking forward to rocking at the classic Uh, forward to those who are making the classic come see that those deals. But Brian was wearing them. Uh, at Redcrest, and I was severely jealous because uh, we, we they would have been handy. Talk about it because he said what he was wearing. Yeah, fire the booties. It. I'm I'm excited for the booties. He's like, I got my Evan jacket on, my bibs, and my booties, and I was like, ooh, blackfish booties. Sign me up for that cold weather time. Like, I have a pair of non-blackfish ones, and I wear them like everywhere when I'm not wearing sneakers and it's wet out, and they are awesome. I don't know if I, I can't get I can't get with the term booties for boots. Booties. Rain I boots. Just, just sounds weird. To I'm gonna me. <laughs> I'm gonna make you say booties all the time. No. no. <laughs> We're gonna convert you. No, I no, no. I just call them boots normally. I just thought it was funny that Mr. Thrift himself called them booties on his Instagram page and I was like, it just kind of stuck. Hey, you call them what you want, my friend. 
<laughs> I will I will let you own that. But uh, yeah, new Blackfish boots, waterproof boots. Like if people have like, it, they're like extra toughs. Like mm-hmm. I'm, that's all I freaking wear when I go fishing majority of the time if I'm not flip-flops. So the fact that Blackfish has some coming that are going to be pretty dang sweet, have their own spin on it, uh, I'm very excited for that. But uh, we'll let the the other stuff uh, announce here soon. We'll either let Brian bring it up or uh, we will show you guys at the Classic next week. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. But one thing I, I'm intrigued to talk about, and I'm curious your opinion, was – uh, Andy Montgomery had a tough, was it that Saturday? Yeah, Saturday that he got knocked out. Yeah. It's intriguing to see his bite die because he was kind of doing something a little bit different than everybody else was. He kind of started earlier on that mag draft swim bait, uh, more wake bait than anything kind of deal. Yeah. Why, do you, why, why do you think his deal kind of died? So leading into the tournament, they had very stable weather, I feel like. Like, no big weather changes, dips, a lot of rain. So, they had very stable conditions. And I think that led to a ton of fish flooding the bank, spawning, going post-spawn, up there feeding. So, I think that's why that bite played. Because if you watch day one in the knockout rounds, Thrift started off the day throwing a wake bait. So, he was on that mm-hmm. bite as well. But because he adjusted and changed it through the course of the five-day tournament, and I think Andy Montgomery kind of just stayed with the plan because that's what he practiced and that's what he had. I know he's relatively local, so it just I think that's what he got caught up doing and stuck with it and was hoping that I might not get 40 bites a day, I might not get 10 bites a day, but if I can get five, I know they'll be the right ones. And it seemed like when he swung the stick, it was a really good fish. It just, that pattern dissipated as the water temp was dropping and the fish were changing up the way they were behaving around the, the dock structure. Yeah, that that's one thing I'm intrigued to ask Brian about when he gets on here soon is the, we literally heard on live of them talking about water temp. And he's like, it's 75 degrees. What? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody was expecting that. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with where they launched down there at Blythe as well, because that's where one of the two main warm water discharges flows into. But remember, so, he was up by the river. Yeah, and I'm not sure where. I don't know. You get the 30 whole, minutes to, to run. Yeah, I, I don't know where the whole geography is. I just know there's two warm water discharges. There might Are they both on the south end? Both on the south end. Yep. Yeah, that, the only other reason to explain that is if you had strong south winds blowing it straight up the lake and pushing the warmer water up there which well, it could was warm happen. i mean when we yeah. showed up to it was 80 degrees when we got up the plane it was hot so yeah that's probably why it was 75 because yeah. the, the morning was still warm for the most part yeah. um but i i find it intriguing of well, I'll say one thing. This is one thing I really like about Major League Fishing Live for the sake of the anglers is there's no map that says, hey, here's exactly where this dude is offshore. Like that gives it away to people that are just kind of like head hunting for spots. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do like that about Major League Fishing is it like kind of gives you less sus- like clues of where they're at. I mean, obviously, when you see them pan Zach Burge, that's 50 yards away 
from the ramp that they launched out of. That's really funny. Like Wednesday yeah. morning, we went to the launch, and I was like, "Oh, look, somebody went out and turned right." I thought it was Michael Neal, but when we got the live pulled up, it was actually Zach Burge. Which I was mm-hmm. like, oh. "I was like, it would be really funny if somebody goes over to that riprap and catches them like first thing, and all of a sudden with the updated score tracker, right?" Like. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, that guy's got five already. I haven't even finished running, or like they just finished running and he's on five and ten casts. Like that would really mess with me mentally if I was fishing that. Well, tournament. I mean that's for bass maybe, but like they still have thirty minutes from when they launch to yeah. when they start. They don't start right away. Right. But if somebody ran all the way to the north end of Norman and might have just gotten off pad and was just making casts, and all of a sudden somebody has five and then another person has five who's relatively close that would yeah throw me for the loop. <laughs> well we'll uh we will dive into that because we got the champ joining in here he's in he's in the queue so let's uh let's not i know he's got a lot going on so we're not going to waste any of his time here let's bring him right on in mr brian thrift hey what's up guys good evening <laughs> what's man. going on dude oh doing good doing good are you uh ready to pass out yet I'm getting close. I'm getting close. The bags in my eye, under my eyes are getting bigger by the minute. It seems like. <laughs> oh, jeez. We uh we made sure to let everybody know that's been sitting on the show here to uh, if they didn't tune in to the Let's Talk Fish show to go back and I, I I personally wanted to watch so bad, but I wanted to keep my questions fresh, so I have it on the docket to go check out afterwards. But perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I appreciate y'all holding off and letting me come on. I'm sorry I'm late. I apologize to all the viewers, but thank you yeah. for staying yeah. on. No apologies needed at all. We uh we yeah. appreciate you just showing up. Yeah, we know uh you're going right. I mean, I know you're taking the day off tomorrow, but uh you're going right back into a derb. They didn't they didn't give you boys any sleep. They're like, hey, no, you're not off Tennessee. Zero turnaround. And it's not really I'm taking the day off. I'm just I'm taking the day to organize tackle and get everything straight where I'm ready because I'm so OCD. If I show up to practice with my tackle the way it is right now, I'll sit out on the lake for three hours redoing everything until I have it the way I want it. So I might as well do it comfortably in my shop and then start ready to rock. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's one of the biggest things you're known for is probably the cleanest organized boat decks uh, and all of professional fishing. Um, but uh, kind of throw it back to how that even started, like from an organization standpoint. Like, how did you become to get like that when it came to, to bass fishing? Um, I don't know. I think something's messing up with my feed. Can y'all hear me okay? Uh, it's starting to get a little bit choppy. Yeah, oh, yeah. it is choppy. I don't know if that's me. See if you can... Let me see if this works. Let's see. All right. Is this any better? Uh, it's still kind of choppy. And see if you can jump out of the lobby and then enter back in through the same link. All right. How do I do that? Leaf? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Leaf, <laughs> Leaf Studio. Hop back in. I always <laughs> mute myself and then go to talk because I'm muted and I'm like, crap, I'm muted. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, we'll uh, we'll get that figured out with with Brian and get and get him back on here quick. But dude, literally, uh, seeing his organization with how, you know how OCD I am, yeah, like it is the most satisfying thing. Like it is, whew. 
you must hate fishing with me because like by the time i'm like halfway through a day i am a hot mess on the water just everything is everywhere yeah yeah, yeah. we're good okay let's see if we can get him in here you got us now oh yeah that's a lot better <laughs> all right Perfect. cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. so has a mind yeah. of itself <laughs> what we're what we're trying to dive into was how you're you're known for the most organized boat deck like out of all of professional bass fishing uh and what we do with everyone that's new to the show we always like to throw it back of like how you got into fishing in the first place right but like i'm kind of more curious have you always been ocd your entire life or is that did that start somewhere with with fishing especially I, I don't think i've always been ocd i think it kind of started with fishing i mean well, I don't know. I can, I can remember back when I was a kid, like I would always like get my toys. I remember having the GI Joe action figures. I'm, I'm pretty old. I'm 43. So that was the thing back in the late eighties. And like, I would organize them and like set them up on the shelf and like, I wouldn't touch them because they were perfect. They were the way I wanted them. So I guess, I guess it did start at a young age. Never been diagnosed. I guess it's self-diagnosed. <laughs> Dory, if, if not the industry, definitely diagnosed it for you. <laughs> yes, that is very true. Very true. <laughs> well, dude, uh, you know, seriously appreciate you taking time to join us here. So we won't, uh, we want to get allow you to get some sleep before <laughs> another long tournament week starts. So we're going to get right into it uh, okay. in regards to, uh, I, I got a cool opportunity to chat with you before the tournament even started, you know, with Humberd and Minkota. Uh, and you, you seemed very calm, like not too worried about all the eyes on you going into the week. But, you know, what was running through your head, you know, during practice when you're seeing how the lake was going to shape up for tournament? Um, I, I, I don't really know. Practice went like OK, but not great. I ended up I caught one big one in practice, which kind of clued me into a pattern I may be able to run to catch a kicker. But uh, the most important thing I got out of practice was finding an area or two where there was a group of fish where I thought I could comfortably catch 11 to 12 pounds fairly quickly. And that would calm me down enough to be able to run a shallow big fish pattern and look for one or two bites the rest of the day. Right. So then, I mean, with that, you know, going into day one, uh, it was, you know, obviously pretty chilly for a lot of people. It was a big, you know, big change because the day prior, it was like, it was, Andy and I were talking earlier, it was like 75 degrees, 80 degrees and sunny. Right. Big change, which was like, we heard you talk on live, but you said like the water temps were in the 70s so like where you're, you're starting. Oh, area. no, they were in the low 60s, like 62, 63 was the, was where the temps were the final day of practice and. I think the the first day of the event, the water temps didn't fall that much. Like it was, I think, 57 where I started in the morning. So it wasn't really that affected until about the second or third day of the event. Oh, okay. That, yeah, that's really where, like, when we looked at the, when the score zero, that was almost like for people that qualified, it was almost like a brand new tournament. It seemed like when you looked at the conditions anyway. Oh, it, it really was. It was definitely a brand new event once we started the, the third day and weight zeroed. I mean, you had to go out there and like approach it from a brand new event. Right. So like heading to your, your starting spot on day one, especially, did you have any sort of strategy or like, I'm going to try to get a limit off of this and conserve it, like trying to prepare for a five day marathon championship event? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was definitely thinking that. So I, I had, uh, 
actually ended up having two good areas that held a quality group of fish. And one of them ended up lasting me for three days, which was perfect. And I started there all three days of the first days and I was able to catch a, you know, a good 11 to 12 pound limit in the first period. And that freed me up to go practice and go hunt for one or two big bites the rest of the day. And, um, but ultimately what won the event for me or really what I considered won the event for me was another place I had that when I found it, I was thinking it was similar to my starting spot the first three days, you know, it was a 10 or 11 pound place. I didn't really put a lot of pressure on it in practice. I caught two or three fish off of it. And it seems like in practice, I thought they were two pounders or maybe a two and a quarter. Like I could catch 10 or 11 pounds there, but it would, you know, if, if I was struggling, I could go up there and get a decent limit filler fish. And ultimately I went up there on day four and it ended up being two and a half to three pounders, which really surprised me. And that's ultimately what won the event for me was having that little backup spot that turned out to be a lot better than I originally thought. I was gonna say, I thought I heard you on live while we're all tuned in. You're like, I was really hoping to save this spot for day three, but you ultimately had, I mean, day five, but you ultimately had to go there with like two and a half, three hours left on day four. Were you afraid that you burned that area to the ground at the end of day four going into day five? Oh, I, I was definitely afraid of that because on, on day four, I caught a lot of fish off of it. I mean, I ran up there and I caught probably 10 or 15 scoreables off of it in the period of 45 minutes to an hour. And, you know, I finally, like, I caught them till they quit biting. Like, I was like, you know, I, I was listening to score tracker. I'm, I'm up to 13 pounds, and I'm like a pound and a half back on Alton right at that point in time. And, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I've got to catch more because he's still got the lead. I need this to be as tight as I can possibly get it going into the final day. So I've still got a chance. So I, I, I put a lot of pressure on that place the, on day four, but, you know, fortunately with about 30 minutes to go, I, I ran to started running pockets again with that swim bait. The first pocket I pull up in, I, I catch a four pound, 10 ounce spot, which I mean, looking back, I think that's actually my personal best spot. Oh, really? <laughs> I think oh, it okay. was. Yeah. <laughs> was that the, was that the one, uh, that almost looks like a largemouth. I think you were saying it, that you thought it was like a. Right, right. Yeah, I think it was. I don't know if spots and largemouth mix, if it was a hybrid or not. Like it, it kind of looked like, like it had the, the mouth of a largemouth kind of, but it had the markings and the teeth patch and everything else on it said spotted bass. <laughs> yeah, that's what Andy and I, because we were at the table by the stage at, when you specifically caught that fish or watching it. Yeah. You boat flip it, and all we see is mouth come up. We're like, oh, that's a large mouth. That's got to be five. <laughs> and then, and then side, and I was like, oh, that looks like a spot. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the way I was. <laughs> it was. It was wild. The thing looks like a, like a giant, but it had to be cool knowing, though, that, like, something in the back of your head, like, hey, that's what I need to do to make those big calls. Right. Clicked. Clicked. Yeah, yeah sure. And, and it's true. Like, I, like, I want to try to pick one winning moment throughout the week like was it the three six and the four nine i caught on back-to-back docks was it the spot up the lake was it that four ten spot i caught at the end of day four but you know that's that's what was so fun about having red crest be a five-day event is you can't pick one decision that 
wins the event, like throughout the course of five days, you've got to make 20 decisions and 18 of them have to be good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, five days, like it's, to my knowledge, there really hasn't been a championship like that. No, I don't think so either. And, and I love it. Like, and I'm not just saying that because I won, like, even if I hadn't won, I'm a huge fan of that five day championship because, you know, that's a, that's a true championship. Like it's a five day marathon. And at the end of the week, nobody can argue that, you know, the person had that one had the best performance or not. Right. I was going to say, too, like, I, if on day one going into, like, the final stretch of the term, if someone catches a big bag, right, and then they slack off the final two days, there's still that ability for somebody to catch up. Or if they catch up their giant bag on day one before the elimination and weights reset, now things are back to zero. So it, the dynamic of right. the whole thing is really interesting. And it is, and especially with the time of year that Redcrest is, is, takes place, you know, being in early March timeframe, a five day event, you're going to have a weather system. If you're anywhere in the South, Southeast, Mid South, you're going to have changes and you're going to have to change tactics. And you're going to see guys make these game winning decisions on the water in real time that you can't see in a three or four day event. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's a time of year where Mother Nature says, "Oh, you ha- you planned a tournament. Here's a cold front. Enjoy." Yeah. <laughs> well, let's have let's fish it two eighty degree days, and then now let's fish in some snow for a little bit, and then tomorrow we may have some wind. <laughs> yeah. Keep Good lord, it was it was crazy. It was a quite literally a roller coaster looking at the week's like weather forecast. Like it was. Oh, it, it was, it was, and that's that that was that's what I was talking to everybody. I'm like. It's like I wore a different blackfish suit every day of the tournament. <laughs> like I, I started out with the with the storm skins and ended up in the event. And you know, it's, that event rain suit, that thing is awesome. Like I I can't speak highly enough about that thing, especially that final day and that forty degree all day wet rain. It, it was amazing. Yeah, and, and so we're blackfish people over here too, and that's one thing that caught our eye was. You know, they, they gave us the, uh, the old hint that, hey, something else new might be coming. And they, they uh, I saw, I think it was either their story or Major League Fish, Major League Fish story. But the, you got to wear the new Blackfish boots. I did. I did. They're very, very nice. Kept my feet nice and dry. I was all decked out and I look like a poster child for back Blackfish <laughs> on Sunday. I had the, had the event rain suit on. I had the new Blackfish boots, the gloves. <laughs> But I was warm and I was comfortable. <laughs> those gloves are sweet. I love those things. They they are. I loved them. And I actually carried two pairs with me because I knew it was going to rain. And I'm like, I can wear this first pair for like the first period while I'm running around. And then the second period, I got a dry pair ready to rock. <laughs> Did you ever have to change your gloves, though? Because they are like almost fully waterproof. Do what? Did you have to change your gloves at all? Like you said you brought two pairs out, but. Well, yes. those gloves are so obviously oh, you did have to change them. I was to say, I love them. Yeah, they, they were waterproof on the inside, but yeah. they, they soak up a little water and get a little heavy, but it wasn't bad. Like, I didn't have to. It wasn't a requirement. But, you know, after I won the event and they made it official, I dug my dry gloves up out of the box and 
while I'm on the way in. <laughs> Your little treat coming back in? Yeah, a little treat. I saved, saved a little something for the ride back. Heck yeah. Well, they uh, we were telling people, we were kind of teasing it. They got some new stuff coming, especially in the reel they posted with uh, a couple new things that uh, they didn't put it out there and like say it verbatim, but they kind of view people paid attention to the different gear that you were wearing. There's a bunch of new stuff coming. That's really, I think it's officially dropping next week. Yes, I think so. Uh, yep. At the classic, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to probably work t- at least two days at the classic. So Heck yeah. everybody that's watching, come by, say, Hey to me, we'll hang out and, talk some fishing and check out some blackfish gear <laughs> heck yeah for sure uh getting back to the fishing part really fast the the one thing i was really curious about on the last day that specific spot you were talking about that you were afraid that you were catching too many fish on the second mm-hmm. on day four i remember i think you said it on live was that i'm surprised there's still like this many fish here or something along the lines of that because yes. you, you caught i think that's where you sat majority of the day did you think that there was more fish coming to you that were like moving towards the back to get ready to do their thing? Like, it's it's possible there was. Um, I'm not real sure. Like the the fifth day, so the second day I fished that spot, I went as as soon as I pulled up on it, I immediately started catching them, and I caught them pretty good for about twenty or twenty five minutes, and I caught some good ones. I ended up catching almost my entire bag off of that spot of 13 pounds 10 ounces i caught one uh 213 spot on a swim bait under a dock with the other four i caught up there i think i ended up with a two five a two six and two three pounders like a three even and three two but i didn't get near as many bikes i think i only caught maybe seven or eight bass off of it that fifth day i was just fortunate that you know four of them were the right ones (laughs) Yeah, that consistent, you know, two and a half that you were talking about earlier. Right, and that's that's the class of fish that helps you win multiple day events on Lake Norman. Like a one day event, those two and a half pounders don't do you much good, but a multiple multiple day event on Lake Norman, two and a half pounders are golden because that's what you need for limit fillers, and then you can find one or two kicker bites every day. You're you're good to go. Heck yeah. We have a, a question here asking what the swim bait was. Uh, the swim bait was just it was a 5.8 inch paddle tail swim bait. Sweet. Uh, and that was what you'd rock going up shallow to the docks, right? Yes. When I would go up shallow on the docks, that's what I was throwing. And I was, I was throwing it on my signature series frog rod from Fitzgerald Fishing. It's a 7.2 medium heavy action. And for all the guys that followed the live, I don't know if you've seen, like, especially that clip of me catching the two big largemouth on that third day back-to-back. Like, you could see how well that swim bait would skip and, and the accuracy you could have with that 7-2 medium-heavy frog rod. It, it's amazing. And using that Fitzgerald Fishing VLD 10, 10 reel with the 7.2 gear ratio. And, you know, it was a setup geared for catching big fish. I've got a big rod. 20 pound feline fluorocarbon and i'm putting that bait in places that you know a big one's gonna live and i've got to get him out of there i mean that that four nine had me wrapped around every piling on that dock at one time or another throughout the course of trying to get him in the boat and you know that feline held up good and still able to boat flip him and get him in the boat yeah i remember you saying that when you were uh when you were reeling him in that that was what like he's got me wrapped up on every piling uh, either every which way um but 
one thing too, like it was funny, like when you say that, uh, you know, skipping it like a dream, everyone that was uh, watching by the stage was like when you'd make a skip and it'd go like all the way back, like the Hercules, you know, Disney scene of like skipping across the ocean. Basically people were like, Oh yeah, I could watch that all day. Like people were just <laughs> satisfied. <laughs> yeah. It, it was fun. Like I, I had a really good time this event and it was like, I'm bad to fall into a trap at Norman of panicking and fishing too fast. And, that was the ultimate goal of me in practice, wanting to find a place where I could catch a decent limit just to calm my nerves down and, you know, get my mind to quit thinking, hey, you caught one over here back in 2007 and you caught one over here 10 years ago, big one. Like, you need to go run all this stuff right now. Don't sit here and fish slow. Go run it fast. And then you end up in a snowball effect. And before you know it, you fished 100 places, but you haven't fished them thoroughly. And you haven't got any bikes to show for it. And I tend to fall into that trap at Norman a lot. And I'm fortunate that I was able to find a couple of places that could provide that decent limit just to calm my nerves and say, all right, go slow, get to work, do your thing. And the bites are going to go. Yeah. And that was going to be one of my other questions is like when you were talking about how crucial 360 was for you in this event, obviously working in tandem, with mega live, but you mentioned that they weren't setting up whereas mega live would be more effective than the 360 where 360, 360 would kind of show you or showing you where you need to make your more precise casts, but that you could, you could almost see them somewhat glued to, to the bottom with mega live. Can you talk a little bit, a bit more about how you're using them in tandem, but then also like how they're actually positioning on mega live? Yes, of course. So um, I run the Humminbird Mega 360 and Humminbird Mega Live on the Apex 13 units. And one thing that works for me and one thing I've spent a lot of time this winter on a small lake here at my house is honing my craft with the Humminbird Mega Live. And what I've learned from that time on the water is I don't like to chase individual fish on live and throw it one bass. I would rather use that mega live to find active areas in the area I'm fishing. So that's actually how I found the spot I started on the first three days of the event. It's as soon as I pulled in the pocket, I go in on the troll motor and I start scanning around with the hummingbird mega live. And I'm noticing there's huge bait balls everywhere. There's some down on the bottom. There's some swimming around here and there. And I'm seeing some bass swim around or fish that I assumes bass and on my 360 you can see everything around the boat at all times so i can see the way that creek channel runs it may run 50 feet out from me and take it make a bend to the left and have two stumps sitting on the edge of that bend i can see that in real time on the 360 and you just can't see that whole picture with a forward face sonar with mega live so mega live is a great tool and i love it and it gets all the hype because it's the new technology but when you can pair that hummingbird mega live with the benefits of the mega 360 that is the ultimate tool in electronics to me for the way i like to fish being a more of a structure fisherman and having a group of fish because the there were fish roaming all in that pocket and if i'd chased individual fish with mega live I would have been driving around like a madman throwing at fish everywhere because there were literally bass everywhere in that particular pocket. So I could stay in that creek channel with that 360 
and I could point Mega Live around and see where those shad balls were, see where the active fish were, and then look down at that 360 and be like, oh, there's a stump 20 feet over this way sitting right on the side of this creek channel. And I'd fire that underspan over there and catch three or four off of it. I'd troll up 20 or 30 feet, and there might be a rock sitting on the edge of the creek channel on the other side. I'd fire over there, catch three or four. And just, it was the, the beautiful scenario being able to watch both of those tools and utilize both of them together because they're the Mega 360 to me is worth its weight in gold. I cannot do without it. And I'm getting that way with the Mega Live. I'm learning it. I spent a lot of time with it. I'm just, I'm not the type of angler that likes to chase an individual bass right now at this point in how I like to bass fish. But that Mega Live is something because. You know, I've, I've also noticed with the Mega Live that it will show you stuff that's very small that you can't see sometimes on a 360. So if you've got very thin pieces of brush or something like that, that you normally, you, you wouldn't really see, like it's not very thick, it doesn't stick up far off the bottom, the Mega Live will point that out to you, whereas the 360 will miss it. But at the same time, the 360 will show you everything that's around the boat and you don't miss a lot of stuff that the Mega Live misses as well. That's very close to the bottom. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. And go ahead. Sorry, continue that. Oh no, that's that's fine. I was gonna say just add if that that makes sense. I hope I explained yeah. it well. <laughs> yeah. No, that no, that's perfect. I think anyone that has used the the two texts understands completely what you're saying, especially from 360, where you can see some depth changes, obviously on 360, but like small very subtle depth changes you can see on live that could be crucial especially like when you're th- talking about like florida uh in places like that where um i can definitely see the two exactly what you're saying and i think from a fan standpoint i think people love the fact that you look down to your 60 you make a cast but then you wouldn't stare at the whole time you would look away and you get bit a lot of times like when you'd look away and you're kind of looking around your you know what's your surroundings I think people like the guy that wasn't staring at their graph for a change. I think people thoroughly enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoy it too. And that, that's the thing. Like, like I, my head is constantly on the swivel when I'm fishing. And, I'm you know, I'm either looking for a school and fishing because you, there's no telling how many times in my career I've been somewhere fishing and, you know, one single fish bust and you throw over there and catch it just like a bonus fish, like a gift. Like, here, here I am, catch me. And I've just trained myself to constantly be just looking around. I look left, look right, and just to see something because you can always see something that gives you a telltale clue, even if it's a a single shad swimming across on top of the water. Like, there may not be a fish busting on it, but he's probably trying to get away from something that's trying to eat him, so you may want to throw over there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, Andy, you got anything left here for Brian before we let him go? No, I'd say we can let him go here. I don't want to take up too much of his time, let him get some sleep and get ready for his next derby. So I, I just want to say congrats and uh, it, it's well-deserved and awesome to see you win it on your home lake. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. And you know, it's been a, it's been a, been a trip. <laughs> That's about all I can say. Like I, I still blown away that, the plan I had worked as flawlessly as it did. That is something that's very rare in this sport in this day and age, because everyone is so good and so provision. I'm, I'm still amazed at the weights the guys call every day. 
knowing Lake Norman, <clears throat> excuse me, and knowing how it is and how it does not handle pressure very well, you know, to see the guys like Alton and Edwin, you know, consistently catch those 13 to 16, seven, Alton caught 17 one day, catch those big bags of fish. I mean, they really didn't have a bad day. Nobody had a bad day. And that was amazing. And, I can't wait to go back and watch live just and see how everybody caught them. You know, I, I love the sport of bass fishing. I love constantly learning about it. And it's just to, for everything to work out like it is, is amazing. Heck yeah. Well, I mean, dude, we're going to, we're going to let you go here. I do have one last question for you. Uh, and it's not, it's not fishing related. And then we'll, we'll let you go to bed. Um, All right. We, we ask it to everybody that is new to the show before uh, we wrap up. And that is, if you could sit down with three different individuals, uh, have a nice beer, have a steak, and pick their brain, uh, they don't have to be fishing industry. They could be alive now or a thousand years ago. Doesn't matter. But uh, which three individuals are you going to invite? <laughs> oh, man, you're going to have to make me think about that. But I mean, the first one, obviously, is going to be my dad. My dad passed away in 2010, and he was he always traveled with me to every event. So definitely that's number one. And, um, number two is probably gonna be, I mean, you gotta, you gotta say, Jesus, I want, I want to be a part of that supper. So you, you, you gotta have him in there, drink a glass of wine with, with the man. And, uh, my third choice is, is probably, um, I don't know, probably that's going to be a hard one, really. <laughs> Do you have like a childhood hero or something like that? Uh, Nah, not really. I mean, I, I really don't. Um, I want to say somebody that, you know, somebody that's been very influential in the world and changed the course of history, like maybe somebody like Albert Einstein or somebody like Charles Darwin, something like that. <laughs> like somebody I could learn from. I, I would want to I'd want to try to get inside their head and just see their thought processes. So somebody can learn from. Always learning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, heck yeah. But Brian, seriously, again, thank you so much for joining here. Congrats again on the win. And obviously 300 grand is always nice and adds a little bit of incentive to, uh, to not take all practice days and take a whole day to rig because your process is working. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it worked great last week and uh, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to continue. I'm looking forward to getting out there to Douglas and Cherokee and uh, seeing what we can do. Hopefully we can have another good event there, but either way, I'm going to do it with a smile on my face. (laughs) I bet you will. All right, Brian, we appreciate it, man. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, thank you guys. Take care. That was awesome. Yes. Uh, For folks that were tuning in, uh, hope you guys enjoyed that show. We had a little bit, obviously crackling on his end. Uh, I think it was his phone. You could tell, when I would talk a little bit, I had, had end up having to like mute and off mute. Like when I, we would talk because I think it was the speaker was like reverberating. Sometimes cases do that, but for everyone that's tuning in, uh, hopefully that was uh, still good for you guys. And you enjoyed that great information there from Mr. Brian thrift, 300 grand, dude. I couldn't imagine winning 300 grand. Yeah. Life changing. Although he's done it before. Did he, here's a question we should have asked when he won the Forestwood cup. Was it five hundred grand or did he win three hundred? I think that was back when it was three. Because I think on it went on its way out, it went down to three hundred grand. I could be wrong. Somebody in the for, comments probably knows. 
the longest time it was five and then like the last three or four years i think it was three and i can't remember oh yeah he won the last forcewood cup didn't he on washington river i think yeah i remember i believe it was watched uh that was before the acquisition which i still wish the forcewood cup was a thing to be honest with you um but great episode great getting brian on here um looking forward to seeing uh, how he does and the coverage and all that with Norman or not Norman Cook grief had still there had still in Charlotte, but uh, at Cherokee and Douglas, they're at Douglas, I believe the first until the knockout round, or I believe it's maybe it's the knockout round and then championship rounds at Cherokee. I don't know how the dual events work. Yeah. I I got to, the, lake. the last dual event that I can remember in recent history, besides Sharon Harris and Jordan, when uh, MLF would go there, the BPT was uh, Norfolk and Bull Shoals in Arkansas. You know, it was an elite series of that, and they went one day on, if I remember. They did, like, one day and then two and then one for, like, the championship or something like that. It was completely wild, but that event was really fun to watch. Qualifying around is Douglas, so knockout and championship will be Cherokee. Hmm. That's okay. That's it's gonna be a fun one to watch, uh, especially from like a Cherokee early spring, not early spring, but really prime time springtime for them. Um, that'll be pretty interesting, and it's gonna be cool to have. I know there's been like a rift and guys certain each way with uh, you know, classic and then uh, excuse me, uh, and Red Crest Expo of like guys not being able to make each, but it was cool to see the elite guys at the uh, Red Crest Expo and then hearing about guys that, like Thrift saying he's gonna be at the classic. That's going to be cool to see because uh, like last year's classic was kind of like there's a lot of big names like Kevin Van Dam and such that you could see the classic, which is a lot of people go to see, you know, those big names at the classic expo. They go meet them because that's what's cool about our sport is like there isn't an NBA expo with the, with the finals that you can go see all the players that aren't playing in, in the finals. Right. Like there's nothing like that. So that's what's super cool about it. Um, it was a really great event. Uh, appreciate everybody that came and said hello to Andy and I at Red Crest. Uh, Deacon and I will be at the Classic, so if you guys are going to be there, obviously let us know. We'll have some uh, some hats with us too, so if you do see us, you know I think we'll probably do. We'll figure out a number, but um, if you're one of the first ones, we'll be uh, be giving out some free Sears Angler and Business from the Bass Boat hats. But uh, yeah, we we have Mr. Paul Roberts in the comments here. <laughs> Good to see old Paul, one of our, one of our buddies from the area. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you want to explain Andy what went on over there <laughs> yeah Paul left the expo and was on his way home so if his wife is listening he's probably gonna get in some dirt here but um, oh yeah he uh texts both of us and he's like where are you guys I want a picture so he comes back and he finds us and as we're taking a picture I feel a hand literally slide into my pocket and I have this extremely goofy picture of my face going to be oh, yeah. circling around because of Paul and oh, I yeah. think he already posted one of them and I just like started like laughing like hysterically I was like oh god <laughs> like, this is so funny hey y'all look at this idiot like with the first bite of a Ned rig of the season or something like that I'm like oh god <laughs> mm-hmm. good stuff uh, yeah it was good no it was great to see Paul uh, last time I saw him was one year ago in Greenville so yeah it was it was really good to see him wasn't too far from Charlotte. No. Your room just went black for a second there. Oh, like 10 minutes ago? No, like just now. That was really weird. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. The the wind is actually really blowing. Oh, I just did it again. 
the wind is really blowing right now outside and when it gets really windy it i tend to have like power surges sometimes so or this light bulb is about to blow so we'll see you're ready for the new house that's what you're saying yes can't yes. wait friday can't come soon enough you know what i can't wait for santi freaking cooper yeah i'm jealous have fun so uh i went there this will be a new video i have uh, obviously filming chasing hardware videos heading down there um i'm gonna film actually a little bit of the travel chasing hardware from the of the classic going to santi so if people see me i might be you know sneaking a be the fish video if you're if you're around um but i have florida video uh, day two of my florida tournament going up tomorrow and then next week's video is actually going to be the two hours that i spent on santee when i was driving home from florida caught 25 pounds in two hours uh a heck of a lot of fun uh i am looking forward to getting back to that lake i know it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows again like it was for the two hours i got to go uh fun fish but i'm looking forward to figuring that lake out being that it's a a cypress heavy fishery uh, I did not fare well on the Cypress heavy fishery that I fished uh, in November and sucked at the biggest kayak championship. Um, but uh, I'm looking for a little bit of revenge and figuring out how those fisheries operate. Um, and what worked for me in two hours was avoiding Cypress trees. So we're, uh, we're going to try to go figure that out. I hope it stays the same for you with the massive cold fronts. I mean, who knows? I'm kind of hoping it's just a cold front and it pushes these fish back and then they start making a heavy crash. You know, if there is a warming trend, especially for our tournament, we'll see. It could shape up to be an absolute slugfest. We're gonna, we're gonna find out. But uh, it's it's gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to classic next week. We have a, a cool group of shows uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks uh, with Tyler Rivette on Friday, on Friday, uh, Jonathan Kelly next week, uh, as well as having the shows we're gonna have at the classic. We're gonna probably gonna do one show a day for the classic. We might try to do four for the week in regards to a day, like a day before the classic type of deal. Um, like on that Thursday episode, we'll probably post it on Thursday, do a classic, you know, morning day one, morning day two, morning day three, and then we'll have a recap episode. Um, well, either way, it's going to be fun because we'll have it at the X2 booth before the expo. Uh, we might even do one during the expo. We haven't quite figured that out yet, but once we do, we'll relay that information to you guys. If you're going to be there, holler at us. Uh, I'm just looking forward to a slam pack couple weeks of just nonstop action with new stuff coming from X2, new stuff coming from Blackfish. Actually, new stuff's coming from Hobie Eyewear as well that we'll be talking about next week. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we do have for select folks that we work with, we do have discount codes. Those are always in the description. But if you guys want to check out any of our show partners, those are always down in the show notes for you guys, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, or uh, you're on MP3. But uh, Andy, tonight was a lot of fun, Mr. Brian Thrift. But uh, I think we should call it here because I am about to do it, ready to do what Brian's about to do and sleep. Yeah, it's um, well needed. I woke up this morning at like 6.30 and I was like, I need about another two and a half hours of sleep. Ditto, Paul. Like, it's yeah. good Paul, stuff. Paul commented, Blackfish, best rain gear I've ever worn. I got Paul hooked up with a new Blackfish rain suit, like bibs and jacket, and I don't think he's looked back. So to all of our people that haven't tried Blackfish yet, if you want legitimate, actual waterproof rain gear, I've had a few different brands. They are not actually waterproof. I'm talking about piss pour and downpour, like rain that is hitting so hard it's coming back and it's going back to the sky hard. 
Blackfish still stays dry. Yep. So check it out. We got, oh, we got Mr. Tim Price in the chat here. Oh, Andy, you had Price. the pleasure. Oh, yes. It was great meeting Tim. Good people. Mr. Homebird, Minkota. But uh, Timmy will be there next week. Uh, if you're going to be at the Classic, go find uh, Mr. Tim Price at the Homebird Minkota booth. You will thoroughly enjoy it, especially if you come from this. It'll be actually really <laughs> funny. But uh, I'm looking for Price. Yes. The serious Angler told us to go there. Act no, really go. mad, too. Yeah. Like, like he's in trouble. But, <laughs> but folks, as always, we appreciate you guys. Great show tonight with Mr. Brian Thrift. Uh, we'll see you guys on Friday with Tyler Revent. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all. And we'll see y'all on the next one.